Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to read a testimony here to you. You can go ahead and turn to the book of John, if you would, please. Turn to John chapter 3. Uh, I want to read um, uh, some, a text someone sent to me concerning a, a healing that just took place in his wife. And just wanted to encourage. I'm telling you what, the Lord's doing some great things. We have a testimony that we want to that we're working on right now to get some folks to share with you that's a mighty, mighty testimony. We wanna, we're going to share that with you. But listen to this. This happened some, uh, well, a few months back. It said uh, there was a word uh, of knowledge that was given concerning healing uh, for a right side. Somebody had pain in the right side. Uh, and it says, uh, that person was me. I claim my healing. And I did not realize that I had been healed until a few weeks ago when I realized that I no longer had the pain in my right side. Amen. I give God and Jesus all the glory, as we always do. Amen. Aren't you, aren't you thankful there's a lot of ways that there's healing that the Lord wants to get healing to us? Amen. Through the gifts of the Spirit, through our faith, through prayer, I and mean, just trusting Him. And so, hey, however we can get it, we want folk to get it. Amen. Glory to, but you know the greatest way, not the greatest way, but one of the wonderful ways to get the word healing is right here in the Word of God, right here. You know, I was thinking about this just as we were singing the song. You know, one of the responsibilities that we have, and I don't know if the church has really realized this, but one of the responsibilities that we have as a church is to, is to do what that song says, to declare to generations the things of God. Amen. Not water them down, not try to, you know, coat over and say, well, that's what happened in my generation or that's what happened in, you know, that generation. Listen, what God desires to do is for every generation. Amen. And let, me, let me just read something here to you. I, I'm going to land on my sermon here in just a little bit. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm landing the plane right now. I'm circling there. Is that okay? I'm just circling the airport right now and seeing, <laughs> seeing what runway I want to come in on. But in Psalm 145, verses 3 and 4, and we had put these uh, scriptures on our uh, uh, flyer that we had uh, when we were doing our Together We Build. But in Psalm chapter 145, I had it a while ago, but lost my place. Psalm 145, this is verse 3, and I'm reading for the New King James. It says this, this is verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So when we declare His greatness, we're doing something scriptural. When we lift up our voice, the people say, why do you lift up your voice? And why does it have to be so loud? And you know, well, just the scripture says, when I think about lift up my voice, I think about, you know, something that can be heard. Amen. And there's time for there's time for it not to be loud. There's time for it to, it's appropriate, you know, for it to be silent just to yourself and to the Lord. But it, there's also times when you lift up your voice. And it says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And then verse 4 says, This one generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I want, my, I want my kids and my grandkids to know about the greatness and power of God. Amen. We don't want it watered down in this day. We want the greatness of God shown and the miracle-working power of God in every area. I mean, and it says right here, one generation shall praise your works and who you are to another. Then I love this, and shall declare. Amen. Declare, not hope for, declare your mighty acts. I'm thankful that we're living in a time where God's doing mighty things in Jesus' name. And our young people and our children are, are seeing it and experiencing it, and they're going to see the might and hand of God do awesome things in this generation. Amen. Folks, God's coming back for a glorious church. 
the kind of church he's coming back for, not some weak, anemic, barely getting by. Some church is crying out, oh, Lord, please get me out of this mess. He's coming back for a glorious, powerful church that is doing the works of Jesus. Amen. Declaring the works of God. Declaring who he is. So, amen. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to be in the earth today. The, the generation is going to see the coming of the Lord. Man, what an awesome opportunity we have to trust and look to him and just, just believe that soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Amen. And what a time that's going to be. Well, let me just share just some uh, thoughts with you this morning the Lord has, has given to me. Let me just say this. We had an absolutely, honey, can you get this phone out? Thank you. Um, I don't want to take a phone call while I'm preaching or feel tempted to send a text like some of you. Anyway, no, no, I wouldn't. I'm removing the temptation, amen? But boy, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful time we had yesterday. We had a good group of folks that showed up for Patsy Caminetti, and I tell you what, I would imagine if I were to talk to different ones, you'd say, well, I got this out of it, or I got that out of it. And I realize that, you know, so many times we just, we just get what we need, amen, out of, out of things that happen in services like that. But she, she talked about just knowing the Father, knowing the power of prayer, you know, just realizing that, that uh, it's important for you and I in this day that we're living in, you know, to be thankful for who we are in Christ. But I want to know God. I want to know the Father, amen. I want to know the heart of the Father. And listen, too, I want you to know something, that prayer, your prayers avail much when you choose, choose to pray, when you choose to extend your faith out beyond just what you can understand. Amen. And so uh, you know, I thought it was just wonderful, wonderful time. And we'll try to get her back sometime and have her come minister on a Sunday morning. And uh, we can, Gary, are we going to be able to put that up on the website where people can listen to it? Okay, good. So I would encourage you, listen, uh, I, it's worth your while to take about an hour and a half to, to listen to it. And it's one of those messages that you might want to listen to a number of times because it is just, it is filled with things that are just really, really, really help you, really, really help you and encourage you. So anyway, uh, and also one last thing, uh, next steps coming up next Next week, if you're new to Cornerstone, you've been coming for a while and you want to find out more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we want to see happen, you know, where, where we're going, we invite you to come and be with us at this Next Step class. It'll be right after church. We're going to have some snacks just to kind of give you something to munch on to kind of knock the hunger off uh, for about an hour or so. And we wanted to share with you our heart and see if this is the place where God wants you to get connected. It's important in these last days to be connected to a church. Amen. Not church online. Not ch thank God for the online, you know, uh, platform. You can go and, 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 you know, listen to things and you can go and get things. But there's nothing like being in the house of God with the family of God. Amen. And so maybe this is the place for you. Maybe it's not. This is not for, this place is not for everyone. And it's, you know, it's, it's just, this is maybe not where God would want you to get connected. But maybe it is. And so come to this, this uh, Next Step class. Hear more about us, what, we, what we're about. Listen, folks, there's four things we want people to know, know, know without a shadow of a doubt about Cornerstone Church. Number one, we want people to know God. Not know about God, but know God. Number two, we want you to experience full freedom. Jesus came to set captive people free. And he wants us to stand fast in the liberty 
that Christ has set us free in. Amen. He wants you to find your purpose. What's my purpose in life? And he wants you to discover significance. What, what does it mean to live a life of significance? Live beyond myself. And it's found in serving and loving and, and caring and, and doing the one another's. And so that's, that's just what we're about. But you want to find out more about us, come be with us next uh, Sunday after church, and we'll share some few more things with you. But, uh, you know, I believe this in, the, in these days that we're living in, how important freshness is in our life. I talked with you a little bit last week about, about uh, the fresh oil, the fresh anointing from the presence of God and how wonderful that is and how that we even, you know, saw today the importance of just not, uh, of not letting opportunities go by where we can experience the presence of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but, you know, in my prayers, it's so many times when I'm praying, I don't always just sense this tingly feeling. I don't always have tears flowing from my eyes. I'm not always running and shouting. Sometimes I'm just there going, Lord, I don't feel like this prayer is getting above the ceiling. But I choose to believe, no matter how I feel or what things look like, I choose to believe that you hear me when I pray. I choose to believe that you're responding to me and the and prayers I'm offering up to you. And I, I just thank you, Father, that you're showing me fresh revelation. You believe this year can be a year of fresh revelation for you? Amen. Fresh vision. I mean, just the freshness of life. And I just believe that's what this year's going to be. But it's going to be about freshness and newness. And I mean, there's just going to be some things that we're going to look back, you know, at the end of this year, we're going to go, man. Hey, just a year of just fun and enjoyment. Hey, listen, serving God at times can be a job. Now, it's, oh, my goodness. How dare you say that? It can be a little intense at times. It can be a little laborious, if you will. But when, you're, when you remember who you're doing it for, when you remember who you're working, come on now, when you remember who you're working with, right? We are co-laborers. With God, the Bible says. So as, our, as we're working, we're not working unto ourselves. We're working as unto him. But we're doing it together. We're working together. I'll never forget, and this is a little side journey, but it'll help us. Several years ago, I can't remember what year it was. I want to say about 2001, we had the power team come in. Some, who was here when the power team came in? There was quite a few people here. We had the power team come in. And, but we were so excited about the power team being here. And it was going to be an awesome time. And we were expecting great crowds. And, and we did. I mean, we, that, the uh, worship center next to us in the, in, the, in the student life building was filled. We had overflow. And we did all kinds of things. But you talk about preparation. We didn't just say, hey, the power team's coming. Everybody come and enjoy it. It was work. It was all-out work. We had to gather block from because they, they break blocks and do all kind of thing. We had to get back. We had to feed. Those guys eat more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. They didn't get that big by, you know, just eating a little bit ever so often. They, I mean, they wanted to eat, and they ate big. So we had to have food prepared for them every meal. I mean, it was, it was just a lot to do. Jimmy Henderson was over one of our areas, and some of you helped us. But it was a job. We had to have, every, we had, to have people clean up the platform because they would just break these blocks all over the platform. And I mean, it was just a mess, but we had people clean it up. But there was something that took place during that that was very special. And, yes, we had people saved. And, yes, we had a few people um, that uh, rededicated their life. And we had some people that came to the church. Not a lot, but we had some. But you know the thing about that that was so powerful to me 
And, and thank God for the salvations and the rededications. Thank God for that. But you know what was just as powerful? The connection that we made during that time. Working together. Working together and realizing what we're doing is never in vain. Amen. It's never, it's never, it doesn't go unrewarded by God. Amen. And that's what I see in this, in this hour that we're living in. And, and the Lord spoke this big to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice. I didn't hear a voice. I just in my heart just felt this, this, this strong, strong unction of God. There's going to be this freshness of coming together and this newness of wanting to come to church. And not like it was said, just marking off, well, it's Sunday. Here I go again. You know, now you're going to want to come to church. Amen. I mean, yeah, you want to come and, and worship and you want to come and, and hear the word preached, but you want to come and connect with people. Amen. You want to come and spend time together with people. Connect to God. Connect to people. Connect to his body. That's what we want. That's what I see happening. And so this year is going to be this year of freshness and it's going to be this year of, of newness in Jesus' name. I like that. I don't know about you, but that, that, uh, that, that's exciting to me. And I just believe God's pouring out freshness on us. It's going to be just supernatural in the name of Jesus. But, you know, for things to be new in your life, you have to offer yourself. You can't keep bringing God the old and expect him to do something new. Old way of thinking, old way of doing. You know, folks, the blessings of God, the, 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 the things that God does are found outside of comfort zones. They're found outside of your comfort zone. Everybody in here has got a comfort zone. Amen. You got a comfort zone. I got a comfort zone. All God's children got a comfort zone. We've got places that we don't want to step beyond because we're comfortable, because we just like, what if I fail? What if I don't make it? And all these kind of thoughts that may come up. But I'm telling you, there's, there's the blessing is outside of the comfort zone. To see, the might and hand of God is outside of, that, of, of what you feel like you can do. Patsy used the illustration yesterday, and this is what I heard. You may have heard something different, but you were here. But she, she, heard, she used this illustration of a, of a field that had been worked, and it was a beautiful field, and it had, had trees around it. And here in the Deep South, we know exactly what she's talking about. We, you can ride, you know, wherever you may be going, to Headland or Abbeville or down south. or It doesn't matter where you may be going. But you'll see a field, and around that field that's been worked and plowed, you'll see trees all around it. And it just it sets, kind of sets the boundaries for that field, which is a beautiful thing. But she said this. She said, when God desires to move your boundaries, sometimes your old boundaries can become your confinements. When God wants to do something different, what does he normally do? He takes you out. He stretches your boundaries a little bit, doesn't he? He does this. It's like when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. And what did he say? He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. In one word, right? One word. Everybody help me. What, what did he say? He, Jesus said, what? He said, come. And what did he do? He stepped out of a comfort zone. All of them could have stepped out. All of them could have walked on water. All of them could have had the testimony that they walked on water, but only one did. We said, yeah, but he, he sank. He walked on water. <laughs> Pretty good in my book. I never have. I don't think you ever have. Say, well, you know, is that still for today? If it was necessary to walk on water, and God said, come walk on water. 
Amen. I believe we'd walk on water. Amen. But listen, folks, the blessing, the, 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 the see God do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think is found outside of your comfort zone. That's why steps of faith are so important. That's why it's so important for you and I, you know, not to look at what's seen, but look at what's not seen. If what you, always, if you, if what you see, you know, is, is continually before your eyes, then you won't take steps of faith. You won't, you won't have the risky faith that it's needed sometimes. Not goofy faith. Not presumptuous faith, not faith because somebody else did it, faith because you sense God is telling you, step out. And yeah, you're stepping out and, and you don't see how it's going to work out. You know, I mean, it looks like, matter of fact, when you first take that step of faith, it may look like it's going to fail. May like, oh, what have I done? Has anybody done that before? I've, I've taken steps of faith and, and, and taken and the thoughts, I mean like machine gun bullets. What are you, you are an idiot. What have you done? And you go, I don't know, I don't know, what have I done? Then you, go, you get hold of your emotions, you go, oh, I'm just, the Lord said take a step of faith. And this is a faith walk. So here I go, I'm going to take a step of faith. But I just can't tell you enough how important it is for you and I as we, as we are into this, what, 19th day of this, of this new year to encourage you as the Lord speaks to your heart and as you, as you walk out the plan of God for your life and for your family, be willing to take steps of faith outside of your comfort zone. Is that okay? I mean, just, and no, Lord, hey, you know what? Lord, stretch me beyond my comfort zone. A rubber band is only good when it's stretched. Isn't it? You can have rubber band, you know, and yeah, if it's small enough, you can put around something. But for it to really do what it's supposed to do, you take that rubber band, what do you do? You stretch it. And I just sense in my heart that's, what's, that's what God's doing for us as a family. He's stretching us, stretching us outside of comfort zones, helping us to see how important what we're doing is. Did you know what we're doing, church family, is important? It's important. This is not just something that we're doing. I'm not just doing this because I want to get paid and, and, and you know, uh, I love living in Dothan just so I can live here in Dothan. I'm doing this is because this is what God wants me to do. And this is important. This is the most important thing in your life. It's not your career. It's not other things that the world may tell you is the most important thing. Now, if, if it's not, then you need to, Lord, check my heart and help me to get a readjustment because what God is doing and the things in the kingdom of God are the most important thing in all the world. You say, well, I, I'm not sure about that. Well, read the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of God, God's ways, God's purpose. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do? That's the most important thing. And I want to be busy about the Father's business in these last days. How about you? I, want to, I don't want to just be, you know, lounging around and being slothful. You know, don't be slothful, the Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 6. But through faith and patience, you keep pressing on. But for us to keep pressing into what God has for us, we have to continually, continually realize that the way up with God is down. It's realizing something that if I want to get to where God wants me to get, and I want, anybody want to get where God wants you to get? 
I don't care how long you've been doing this. Five years, ten, one year, five years, ten years. You've been walking with God 50, 60 years. We've got people in this congregation. I look and see some. You've been walking with God a long time. And thank God for that. Thank God for the testimony that I'm sure you would give concerning the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. Amen. Thank God for that. But to continue to press ahead, you've got to continue to allow something to take place. You've got to continue to realize, listen, if I want to keep pressing up, the way up with God is down. It's understanding who He is and who I am. It's recognizing what He can do and what I can do. It's realizing that He has a work He wants to do in me. Let me, let me read this verse of Scripture to you, verses. This is from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Paul had spent time with the church there at Philippi, but he, wasn't long, he was no longer with them. He's writing to them. He said, now, while I was with you, you were doing good, doing what I instructed you to do. He said, but now much more in my absence, so no longer is he with them. He said this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It didn't say work for your salvation. We don't work for our salvation. Our salvation is a free gift given by God. He would just accept it. Lord, you desire to save me. Jesus came to save me. I receive that. don't understand all there is about it, but I'm willing to start a journey. I realize I'm a sinner, need a Savior. You don't work for your salvation. You can't do enough good works. You can't give enough money. You can't serve enough. You can do all the things from a natural standpoint that seem to be right and good, but still not bring salvation to your life. Being good is not good enough. Because then the standard becomes what's good. If it's our goodness that gets us into heaven, then what's the standard? Woo, that's a tough one, isn't it? Did you ever tell a little white lie before? Does that disqualify you if you're doing by works or you did something wrong or you didn't write down the right number on your income tax return? I mean, we got real particular here. We'd all get in trouble, wouldn't we? But it's not my goodness that gets me into heaven. It's God's goodness that leads me to repent. So I want to go to heaven. I want to know the good God. I'm not trying, he's not trying to make life difficult for me. He wants to do things in my life that only he can do. Amen. But I've got to work this salvation out. That word work out is a word that means to keep pressing onward. It means to, um, uh, it means to, to let God do something in you. You know, when, when you work out physically, there's things that you do, and you do it with a purpose. When you work out physically, you're doing it for a purpose because you want to be healthy. You want things in your body to, to function like God wants them to function. You want to be healthy and strong, so you're working out. And so thank God we're all saved. We're all complete in Christ when we get born again. There's no work that God needs to do in a born-again child of God except to continue to reveal to you what salvation brought to you. What it means to be saved. It doesn't mean to just be saved from hell. It means to be saved, brought into the family of God with rights and privileges and blessings and things that God wants to do. But we, have to, we understand this thing through a process. You know, there's things I know now, and I look out over the congregation, I see different ones I believe will testify to this, that you, that you know things now about God you didn't know five years ago. There's things you know about God you didn't know when you got born again. 
Anybody would say that, yeah, I just things I know now I didn't know about God. There's some, when I got born again, I understood some things about God very little, <laughs> very small. But thank God His love and His grace has helped me to grow and increase about what I know about Him. Amen. And so as we, as we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and reveal things to us, we work out ourselves, begin to see more, understand more. Listen, I believe in this year, as I've already said, it's going to be a year of fresh seeing Jesus for who He is. And we're going to know more about this wonderful plan of salvation that God's worked for us. But then it says this in the 13th verse. It says, for it is God who works where? In you. What does God work? Outside? No, where does God work? God works in you. He works in you. And the scripture tells us, why does he work in you? Both to will and to what? And to do his good pleasure. You know, God has a good pleasure for your life, something that's good. But it says here, listen, you've got to realize God's at work in you. But this is the deal with God. God doesn't make you to uh, allow him to work in you. You've got to yield to that working. You've got to say, Lord, I want you to work in me. I'll, I'll desire for you to, to do in my life what you desire to do. I, I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Amen. And so God does a work in you. And, and let me see, I thought, I, I think I wrote that down. That word, um, Work there uh, in verse 13 is, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think I'm reading this right, is the word energeo, which we get our word energy. God works, that word is the word energy, and it means to, uh, to put forth power to be mighty in. So it's God that's working, mightily working in us for a purpose. What? To will and do his good pleasure. Anybody want the good will and perfect will of God done in your life? I, mean, I think we all do. I know I do, and I'm sure you do as well too. I realize God's working in me. I'm, I'm allowing him to, to help me work out this salvation with fear and trembling. But we have to yield ourselves. We have to yield ourselves. The Lord spoke this to my heart. There again, didn't hear a voice. Wasn't, wasn't goofy, wasn't weird. Just, just in my heart, I heard a God say this. I'm calling my people to a place of just humbling themselves and recognizing who I am and who they are. Who I am and who they are. Who I am, you realize who, who he is, is we want to see who he is. But who are we? How does he view us? We want to know who we are as well too. So he's calling us to this place of, of humility. This, this place of realizing, listen, without me, I'm telling you right now, you can't do a thing. Without me, you are, there's no way you're going to make it without me. That's what, that's what even Jesus said. Listen, you can't do anything without me. But we also know this truth, don't we? That through Christ we can do all things. Glory to God. I like that, don't you? But listen to, the, listen to these words. This is in John chapter 3. And let's just skip down to verse 30 just for, just for the sake of time. John chapter 3, verse 30. Now we know John had, saw Jesus coming back in John chapter 1. John saw Jesus coming and he said something that was just radical. I mean, just people went, what? He said this when he saw Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God that does what? That takes away the sin of the world. Wow, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then in John chapter 3, we, we read words concerning what John said about him again. And John said this, and we're not going to, as I said, go back and read the verses before John, uh, chapter, um, uh, the 30th 
verse here in John chapter 3. But in John 3.30, we read these words. He must increase. What? But I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. Now, those, there's a couple of references here is the way I see it. There's a reference to understanding that, he, hey, he's, he's the Savior. He's the one that I came to herald. He came, he's the one that I came to make the path for. Amen. So I'm just, I'm stepping back. There was times they asked John, they said, uh, are you him? Remember that? Are you him? And John would say, I'm not him, but there's one coming after me who I'm not even worthy to untie shoes. He's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit and power and fire. So he, John recognized very readily that I'm not the one. And he would say this, he must increase, but I must decrease. And, and I believe that in the day that we're living in, and you may see this differently, and if that's the case, hey, we're not going to fuss and fight about it. But I'm telling you, I just believe in the day that we're living in, there's such a, uh, and it's always been, this pride has always been in the earth. But yet we see today, to me, just this elevated uh, opinion of men and this, this pride that's just so ugly, you know, and, and, and this, this thought that people have to say that I'm never wrong. Listen, folks, I don't care who you are. There's been times where you've been wrong. W-R-O-N-G. You have been wrong. Nobody's right all the time. Nobody has it all the has it right all the time. And it just this this idea of, of you know just not admitting when when I've missed it or I didn't see it right I'm wrong. But you don't see that much today. But you ought to see it. I believe in the household of faith. Or if I'm not seeing something the way that you want me to see it, open my eyes. So I'll see it. So I'll know what it is that you want me to see. We've all done this before. We've all, you know, you know, ask our kids or maybe someone, you know, to look at this. And do you see it? Can you, can you see this? And sometimes, you know, they don't see it. Then all of a sudden when they see it, they go, I see it now. I see it. There's something about when you visually see it that just resonates in your heart. So God, there's things that God wants us to see, things about him he wants us to see. Well, we got to realize if I want to see those things, I can't, I can't have this profession or this thought, hey, I've got it all together. I got it. I'm him. Nobody is. So the way, the way of increase with God is to decrease. So totally contrary to the world. Amen. So totally contrary. But yet the scripture says God uses the foolish things of the world. <laughs> To confound the wise. He uses the weak and beggarly things of the world to bring about those things that are not. His ways, church family, are what? Higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Hey, listen, if that's the case, I, I think it'd be beneficial for all of us to get connected to the higher ways. Amen. Get connected to him, to his ways and his thoughts. Amen. Let, let, his, let his ways become our ways and his thoughts become our thoughts. How does that take place though, Pastor? Listen, I humble myself. Lord, I'm coming before you humbly, reverently. I want to grow. I don't want to be stupid. I don't want to be ignorant. 
I'm not saying anybody's stupid. I'm saying me. If there's any, I'm thinking, listen, I'm ignorant. I just don't, I lack understanding. I want to know. How does it take place? It takes place when I come before him. When I say, Lord, I, I want to grow. I want to know who you are. I want to experience the fullness of what you've done for me. And I believe God's calling us to this place of humility. Not just a few of us, all of us. Listen to these words in, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Oh, my goodness. I'm working up here this morning, guys. In Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That word humble, as it's, as it's used, there's a word that means to press down. It means to be brought low. Listen, it describes a person who is devoid of all arrogance and self-exaltation. A person who is willingly submitted to God and His will. So once again, if you try to exalt yourself, you will be brought low. But if you humble yourself, then what happens? God lifts you up. And folks, we all know this. It's a whole lot better for God to lift you and I up than it is for us to lift ourselves up. Because there's a way that we can do it and we can play the game and we can, we can go around like other people do and, and try to do things that are not right in the eyes of God. Do you believe God honors integrity and do you believe God honors honestness and do you believe God honors, you know, character? Absolutely. So when we choose to do it God's way, listen, we're going to let you exalt. I'm going to let you lift me up. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to let you lift me up. There's a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18. You don't need to turn there, but in Luke chapter 18, there was two people. And this is a parable. There was two people, and one of them was a Pharisee. And he went to the temple to pray. And the Scripture says he lifted up his voice, and he said, I thank God I'm not like this publican. You know, I do this, and I do that. and I'm, a, I'm really, Lord, you really need me, and. I'm real, I, I tithe and I do all these things. And, you know, I'm just, I, I, I fast too. Does that impress you? Folks, you know something, the only thing that impresses God is faith. <laughs> That's what impresses him is faith, people that believe. But, see, but then there was another man, he was a sinner, publican. I mean, despised, hated by the Jews because they were, they were the mob. They were the one that just extorted more money out of people than that they were supposed to pay. They, I mean, they were some of those guys got just rich, rich, rich. So they were hated and despised by the, by the Jews. But it says this, and there was one that came there, and it says this. It was a tax collector standing afar off. Well, not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. Mm. Wouldn't go, look at me. I'm somebody. No, it says this. He wouldn't raise his eyes to even heaven, but he said this. But beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then verse 14, they'll put the 14th verse on the screen for you. Verse 14 says this. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Why is that? For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, we brought low. But he who humbles himself, he who brings himself low, who, he, he does it. An attitude of heart, he does it. What happens? He'll be exalted. So how important do you think it is that we, that we heed this call, I believe, of the Spirit of God 
to humble ourselves. I mean, our complete, total dependence needs to be on Him. Would you, could you say amen to that this morning? And I'm learning this more and more. I'm not there yet. I'm still, I'm still on a journey. I'm, more revelations come to me that He is my sufficiency. He's everything I need. But it, I'm growing just like you're growing. I'm on a journey of faith just like you're on a journey of faith. I'm learning what it means to, to bring myself to a place of, Lord, listen, I can't do this by myself. But I believe too many Christians are. I don't mean any condemnation by that. I don't mean to cast stones at you and say, hey, I, I know more than you do. I, I don't. I just, what I see at times is just people trying to depend on their own ability and their own strength and, and, and the, way they, the way they have always done things. I'm telling you what, God's got ways for you to do things you hadn't even thought about yet. Come on now. He's got things He wants you to do, things He wants you to see. If you'll go, Lord, here I am. I'm bringing myself before you. And that's a big part of prayer, isn't it? Just coming before God. Say, Lord, I need you. I'm coming today, Lord, for help. And thank God He always responds to us. Aren't you thankful for that? And when we humble ourselves, what happens? He's the one who lifts us up. But it all comes to realizing, how do I get up? How do I get exalted? How do I begin to understand things and know things and achieve the success God wants me to have? How do I get there? Through humility, just recognizing who He is and who I am. Who is he? Who is he to you? Who is he? Remember he asked, Jesus asked the question of his disciples, who do men say I am? And they said, well, you're this and you're that. You're, you're this is Elijah. You're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then he got a little bit more personal. He said, who do you say I am? Peter spoke up and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he, Jesus said, flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. Everybody say, flesh and blood. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. God's going to show you, little old you, little old me, little old Pastor Bobby, and little old you right here, little old Dothan, Alabama. He's going to show us some things about who he is. Amen. Are you ready for that in your life? Lord, show me. I don't know everything there is to know. You know, the, the Pharisees, and of course, they were the, I mean, they were the religious people of the time. They knew the law, and boy, they were a stickler for the law. They, they, I mean, it was line upon line, and you don't dare do this, and I don't know how many additional things they had added to the law. I've heard different numbers. It was a bunch of, bunch of man-added things to it. And here he is, so he's thinking he's pleasing God, but he's not. He's not at all pleasing God because he, he, was, he was full of pride. He was full of arrogance. He's, Jesus said this, uh, this in the Luke 18, verse 9. He spoke this parable, this parable I just told you, to some who trusted in themselves. And, and, and I want to close with this, trusting in yourself, trusting in yourself, trusting in your ability, your understanding, Trusting in, in what you know. Is that ever going to be enough? Never. We see through a glass darkly, but one of these days we're going to see face to face. We don't see everything. Listen, I heard this. I thought it was a great way. It helped me. Maybe it'll help you. God sees the big picture put together already. It's like a puzzle. We used to do puzzles at, at our house during Christmas. We did several years. Uh, we, we would buy a puzzle and put the puzzle together. But, you know, if we attempted to put the puzzle together without the box cover, 
we'd probably still be there. Right? Because what happens, the box cover helps you see a little bit. And then you see the big picture, but you realize, I, I can't put the big picture together, but what I can do, I can get what I can see, and I can begin to put it together. And you'll put this together, and you'll see these shades or this, this person, whatever, and you'll go, okay, I see it now. And then you'll start working toward finding puzzle pieces that, that help you fill out the puzzle. I, I, like, well, I, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with puzzles. It's all fun. It's fun when you get done, but boy, working through them sometimes you go, this piece has got to fit here. It's got, anybody ever done that? This piece has got, and you're forcing your, and, and you're going, it doesn't know. It just doesn't. You're, you know, Seth will say, it doesn't go there, Bobby. Just pick it back up and fight it. But it's got to. It's got, it doesn't go there. And you can frustrate yourself. But the best thing to do is go, it doesn't fit there. Folks, it's like that with life. God sees the big picture put together. And he just wants us to look at what he's done. And then he's going to help us put the picture together. But it comes through trust. I've got to trust that he'll do it. I've got to trust that he'll do exactly what he said. I've got to depend. I've got to lean into that and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm not trusting in myself. Let me read just a couple of the verses of Scripture to you. Just, just a couple more. I want you to get these. How does increase come? Well, through humility. We, read, we, just, we read, just read that by, by humbling ourselves. Increase also comes this way. This is in James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. God opposes the proud, but he does what? He gives grace to the humble. That tells me that humility must be really important to the Lord, and it is. It's very important. The Bible says, you know, Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. We're completely willing to humble himself under the plan and will of God. Did it, struggle in the garden, but he did it. Made a decision, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to let my flesh and my will take over. I want God's will to be done in my life. And so he humbled himself and he went forward. And I am so thankful, and I know you are too, that he completed the work that he was called to do. But he humbled himself. But humility is, is closely associated with grace. Right here, once again, it says it. He, God opposes the proud, but he, got, he gives grace to the humble. Hey, listen, I don't know about you. I'll take all God's grace I can get. Jesus, the law came by Moses, the Bible says, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And grace can be increased in your life. How does it increase, Pastor? Through the knowledge of God. And of Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, if we want to grow in the knowledge of God, what do we do? We humble ourselves. We take, a, we take a few moments every day to read the Word. We take some time every day to pray. Listen, before we make a major decision, I was talking to somebody here recently, and they said, you know, they were sharing some things with me and going through a very difficult time in their life. And this person shared, and he said, you know, I got to a place, uh, a pastor, I don't know how I got there. He said, but I didn't even, wasn't even praying about things anymore, facing some major decisions, some things that were happening in his life that were like big, big things. And he said, I got to a place where I realized I wasn't even praying. I wasn't even asking God any longer. And you know what? He who has never done that, you cast the first stone. <laughs> 
Is that right? You cast the first stone, brother, sister. Because there's been times, you know, where that's happened to all of us. We kind of resort to prayer as the last thing we do. <laughs> but let's start out by seeking God. Let's recognize who He is. Lord, we need your grace. Listen, folks, let me tell you something about grace. Is such a, I don't know, today, I mean, it's such a powerful, powerful thing. And people have heard a lot about grace. And I think there's, what's been revealed about grace is awesome, awesome, awesome. But listen, let me tell you something. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. Great. God did all of this by grace. Nothing we get, we don't deserve a thing. All of it comes by grace. Salvation, everything. But faith allows us to receive what grace has done. Amen? Thank God for faith and grace. But humility comes, it says right here, when you and I humble ourselves, God gives us not just a little bit of grace, God gives us a lot of grace. Do you need a lot of grace? I need all the, I need all the ability of God working in my life that I can get. I want it, don't you? I want as much as, he'll, as I can receive and have working in my life. So we increase through, our, through the understanding of grace. We increase through obedience, don't we? Through obedience. Jesus learned some things of the things that he suffered. He was obedient to the point of death. Jesus' mother told his servants there when he's at that wedding, and didn't look good, there wasn't enough wine, and things were not looking good. Mary said to the servants, help me out. What would she say? Whatever he says, you do it. Whatever he says. And so what happened? He said, okay, you, you guys take, take these big water pots, fill them up with water. You know the rest of the story. Water was turned to wine. But they, they were what? They were obedient. And then finally this, we increase through just trust. The old song we used to sing, well, we, I don't think, maybe we did sing it here, I'm not sure. But there was a, a song that went something like this, trust and obey. Remember that? There's no other way. To be happy in Jesus is to what? Is to trust <laughs> and obey. And, and I, I find a lot of truth in that. How about you? Trust. I lean into God. I lean upon Him. Have any of you ever done that? That uh, I know we did it as kids, and I, I think sometimes they do it as a team-building effort. You did that when you were a kid, maybe, where somebody stood behind you, and you were standing here with your arms like this, and they said, do you trust me behind you? Do you trust me? And, and you'd say, yes. Then you'd, they'd say, well, fall back. You remember that? And you had somebody behind you, and I see some of you going, I did that one time, and that goofball that was behind me moved out of the way, and... I fell down. We're not talking about those goofballs. All right, just forget them. But, you know, when you first started, before you really leaned back completely, you remember this? Maybe you can relate to this. You'd be standing like this, and you'd start falling, and you'd feel yourself falling, and you'd go. Remember that? Why'd you do that? You weren't really sure. Were you? You weren't really sure if you just completely went. I'm not going to do it. Don't worry. Mm -mm. Amen. There's nobody back there. I know the Lord's with me and he didn't mean working through me, but I'm not going to be foolish either. So, uh, but what do you do? You, 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 that person, you tell them, I trust me, I'm going to catch you. And remember the first time you did it, how that sensation you had of like, man, you just felt like, whoa. But then after that, it wasn't real difficult to do because you realized they're going to catch me. 
They're not going to drop me. They're going to catch me. God will always catch you. You don't have to go like this, but we do. This is what we do sometimes. The Lord says, trust me, and you go. Listen, what are we going to do? We're going to just go, I trust you, Lord. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding, but all my ways I'm going to acknowledge you. Trust in the Lord. This is New Living Translation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. See His will, or seek, I'm sorry, seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take.